You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Great to be with you here at Chester and, uh, you know, uh, I was in uh, Cardiff this week and uh, had a great time with the team, just started out there and then in London yesterday and London was packed yesterday. Uh, It's Pride weekend in London and it was crazy down there, like wow, it was good to get out to be perfectly honest with you, Uh, so it's great to be with you and uh, this morning I want to speak to you on a thought that I've got from one of my favourite passages of Scripture. But before I get there, I really want to set it up in this way because I want you to understand that my passion is for the church to be alive. And one of the problems that we have in society today is the church has been persecuted probably like never before. And in fact, in recent history, we've never seen such things that we've seen. And we can either cow back or we can say, God, this is our time to step into what you have for us. And one of the things that I do is uh, I head up our whole um, you know, mission arm of what we do, and it's called Believe. And we got a, a, a belief, actually, Pastor Russell and I flying back from, um, from here, from in the, in the UK, about in 2014. And uh, God really started to stir us about freely we have received, freely we have given. For those that don't know, we do incredible things with the band and, and with conferences and speak at events. And, and in fact, you know, uh, this year in Nigeria, uh, two, three years ago we were in Nigeria, but this year they believe we'll have over a million people in one crowd. You know, World Youth Day in Poland, they asked us to come and then because of COVID it got cancelled. So hopefully we'll be there again in two years' time. But they expect there'll be 1.8 million people standing alive. And and so when you've been involved in those sort of things, you get a sense of thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for how you've used us. But if you're not careful, you've got to be careful that you don't get so full of yourself that you don't realise that it's God coming through and what God is doing in you. So we had this thought. We're reading that passage of Scripture, freely you have received, so freely you should give. And we started to think, what can we do beyond what we're doing today? And we decided that we would start to focus on a developing country in our region. And so Pastor Russell turned to me in the plane and he said, look, I don't know what to do. Uh, you always come up with a great plan here. Why don't you come up with something? Which in code means come up with something with no budget, with no people and believe God and see what happens. And uh, so in 2014, I, I basically went to prayer and said, God, what do you want me to do? We came up with this plan that we go to the South Pacific and we went to Papua New Guinea and Fiji. And just for those that haven't seen before, just three weeks ago, we were in Fiji for one of our events. And uh, it's the first one we've had since COVID. We've booked the National Stadium in Papua New Guinea for August. Um, but this will just help you to see what we do. And then I want to talk off the back of this because I want to stir you, not to be good Christians, not to be church attenders, but to be believers. You see, Christians interpreted correctly as believers, those that believe what God says, not just those that show up on Sunday. Let's look at the video. It just helps you to understand what we do and what's been happening. But I don't know if you noticed in that video, 
For me, the crowds are huge and, and in the last, you know, uh, since 2015 we made that decision, we've been in front of uh, just under 400,000 people and it's been incredible to see what God's done. But for me, the biggest thing about those events just three Sundays ago was on the Sunday night, we decided that we would pray for the sick. And I don't know if you saw, but, but a man jumps out of a wheelchair and, and in fact, there was four, in fact, there was five people. Uh, one was in a frame, but they jumped out of wheelchairs and they've long-term been in wheelchairs, you know. And so for me, there was this sense of looking out over the crowd in the back corner, there was uh, a bit of a, a raucous going on. And so I turned to the team because we've had violence in crowds sometimes. And I said, what's going on over there as I'm looking out? And they came back to me and said, there's a man got out of a wheelchair and a lot of people around him know him and are staggered at the fact that he's now running up and down. And, and then over here, it starts to happen again. And, and, and then blind eyes start to open and things start to happen. But the thing that I got was that there was 90 people that got on a plane for three hours from Australia. I know here in England, we're going to Spain actually on next Saturday for a holiday. And I know that in England, there's like this mass exodus at, at summertime for Spain and Portugal and anywhere where there's sun, people go. And, and so there's this sense of you get on a plane, you do something in mission and you step into this place but why is it that 90 people can go and start to pray and believe God that He's going to do something, but then they come home and they go back to being a good church believer that goes to church every Sunday, that, that sees that and goes, yes, we believe that, but we don't really see it. Does it really happen in the UK? Does it really happen in Australia? And I want to stir you today to understand that God is the same God wherever we are. He wants to do something. You know, I love football and uh, I love watching football. And there's a thing in football called white line fever. I don't know if you've seen some of these footballers. They're talking in an interview and the interviewer is trying to get something out of them. And they talk like, oh, hello. Yes, I have scored many goals. Oh, yes, I've been... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. But they say nothing. And then they step across a white line, an imaginary white line, and suddenly they kick goals. They take out defenders. They do things that are unbelievable. And we put them in a Herculean sort of way, like, wow, look at them. But why is the church the same? Why is it that we can't go to the markets here and lay hands upon the sick? Why is it that we see somebody in a wheelchair and we just go, oh, poor guy? But in those places, the same people do something that they wouldn't normally do. Often, we see things happen because of desperation. Desperation comes upon us. You know, in England, every person, about 85% of people who make a decision for Christ over the age of 25 are people who have a minor crisis in their life. Someone dies, they lose a job, something happens in their world that shakes them and they come into the church and they make a decision for Jesus. Desperation is an incredible thing to drive us, but we need to get desperate as the church for the society that desperately needs Jesus. I just told you I was in London yesterday and I was watching as hundreds of thousands of people came into the centre of London. They're desperately looking for something. Let's not get offended by what they're looking for because if we don't present to them the option that they need, then they're going to look for anything because they're desperate. There's a sense of what can I do? I need something and what they need is Jesus. 
But we need to be the church that doesn't just attend church, doesn't just become Christians, but we become believers in everything that we do. And so would you look with me to this passage of Scripture in 2 Kings and chapter uh, 7. And it's up here on the screen. Now, there were four men. Now, understand the background of this scripture. It's in Samaria. It's a time of famine. They, 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 they've got nothing to eat. They don't know what to do with themselves. And, and four men rise up and somehow attract the attention of heaven. And I want us to focus on them because we never see them again in the Bible. We've never seen them before. Yet God thought they were significant enough. Why? Because he attracted their attention. How do we, as the church of Jesus Christ, attract his attention? Now, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. This is a positive scripture that I picked this morning, as you can see. So let's go over the Campy Armenians. And if they surrender, we live. If they kill us, we die. So this morning, I want to preach to you the positive message of we could die, die, maybe live, die. Let's pray. See how much better I am than Pastor Leone already. Can't you feel that? But you see, the, the, the sense here is that this passage of Scripture is talking to us about a principle in a time of famine. If you ever noticed, we should get desperate because our country is in a time of famine. Right now, we're in a time of famine. They don't know what to do politically. They don't know what to do with health. They don't know. And we can all talk and we can have the best experts in the world. But the truth is, people don't have a clue. But Jesus Christ is still the same God yesterday, today and forever. Doesn't matter what's going on. He's got a plan and He wants to come through for us. So here's the options if you want to attract the attention of heaven. Firstly, spiritually, you die if you go back to where you came from. I don't know if you've ever been to where you came from, but I was actually born in a place called Tennyson Road in Barnsley, here by Gumlud. And uh, I, I was actually born as a Yorkshire boy. And my dad used to always say to me, oh, you had such a great birth. It was fantastic to see what you could do and what you could become. We moved all the way to Australia just for you. But he talked to me about being born. And I was born weirdly in my parents' bed. Now, this is an English thing from that era, I'm told, but you had the option of not going to hospital. Why not? That is crazy not to go to hospital. Why be born in your... Just thinking about it is weird. But mum and dad talk with pride. Oh, the house we used to be able to, from the top story, look down over the common, and oh, it was fantastic. It's like, please, that's nothing about it's fantastic. So I went a few years ago, and I stood out the front of Tennyson Road, and I got a photo and I want to tell you, I was thanking God that that's not where I live today. Thanking God that's not what my purpose is today, that I've moved forward. But if we're not careful, the enemy speaks to us in ways that cause us to think what was back was far better than what is. That church I went to was so much better. That family member, that job I had, that setting that I had. And if we're not careful, we get lured back. The enemy whispers into our mind. But have you noticed in the book of Ephesians, when you walk backwards, it doesn't actually say, and the back plate of righteousness will protect you. 
There is no backplate of righteousness. There is a breastplate of righteousness. There's a helmet of salvation. There's things at the front because we are purposed as spiritual beings to die if we go back. But if we step forward, the Lord is going to protect it. The Lord is going to be with us. And He wants us to be people that step into what He has for us. So we need to recognise the trading tool of heaven is faith. Without faith, it's impossible not Sort of, or could be, it's impossible to what? Please God. Isn't the story of our lives to bring pleasure to His name? Isn't our, the story of our lives to bring purpose? Isn't what a believer is, is somebody who believes in Jesus and does what He tells us to do? But if we're not careful, we can walk away from the trading chip, which is faith. My question to you is, when was the last time you exercised faith? Not relied on God, but exercised faith. Actually took the little that you had. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So when we look at a screen up there and we see that video and we get excited about who our God is, if we're not careful, we can see someone else's story and say, God, give me one, but it takes faith. Because I don't tell you about on the first night of that crusade how on the way to the meeting they said to me, the generator isn't working properly. It's had sludge in the bottom and because of COVID, it hasn't been used for two and a half years. And when they filled it with fuel, the sludge went everywhere and it keeps going through the pipes and blocking the pipes. And so now we've had a few breakdowns of the generator. Now in a field in a country like Fiji, if you don't have the generator, you have no power. And I'm telling you, it goes black. And so I'm like, my first response could have been a reaction. Are you joking? Who made this mistake? What happened? But I've learned that in the spiritual economy of God, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you keep going forward. God always has a plan. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that the generator stopped 10 times during the night. So many times that as they're leading, they would come to the end of a chorus and we'd be like, is it going to stop? Is it? Oh, it stopped. But rather than stop, the team were well briefed on get the loud hailer. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those loud hailers at school, a bit, you know, um, a, a megaphone. And, and they, they get it and they start screaming the song and the crowd starts singing. And to be honest, that night was actually a strength rather than a weakness, even though we lost the, 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 crowd, the, the sound so many times. I think the crowd was like, wow, these guys just keep pressing forward. doesn't matter what's happening. But I want you to understand that faith is always required if you're going to step into what God has. So then we die if we go back. We die if we stay where we are. Ah, oh, let's not, let's face it, we're in summer. That means we're getting into wind down mode. There's nothing wrong with wind down. I'm having a holiday. But we've got to be careful in our spiritual life we don't wind down. People don't know Jesus. People are going away from God. People need someone to step up. People have sicknesses, have challenges in their life, and we have the answer in Jesus Christ. But the question is, are we in wind down mode? Are we just comfortable with where we're at? It's okay. This is a young people's game or whatever it might be. You know, uh, Lee was saying that, you know, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. I am totally always a youth pastor. You know, in our church, the, the youth make more damage than anybody else. And I'm on the board of our church. And so I actually instituted that we get a damage budget in our church so that we're not always complaining about the youth damaging something. Do you live in your house and you have young people? They damage stuff. 
It's called life. And we want to have life. We don't want to have death. We don't want to stay where we are. We want to step into all God has for us. Go back to where you come from. You die. Stay where you are. You die. So the only option this passage says is that they focused on the enemy's camp. Four lepers, so they had leprosy, a disease that would infect everybody that they came in contact with. They, they, they had no food because there was a famine in Samaria. They lived on the outside of the walls. And so the only option for them that they could think was go to the enemy's camp. The enemy's purpose is to kill you. So this is a dumb plan. Die, die, and definitely die. We're going to the enemy's camp. But in the economy of God, you need to understand that we don't just focus our faith anywhere. We focus our faith on the enemy's camp. We take back what the enemy has stolen. If the enemy's taking away from people in food, A-teams rise up and they go and they give them food and they bring a change in their life, the doorway to them stepping into their purpose. We need to recognise that God has a plan beyond where we are right now. So we've got to step into all God has for us. Faith is always required. But the second part of this is God always makes a way where there is no way. See, in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 5, it says, At dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. What? This is the army. This is the largest assembled army on earth. Can you see the principle when you step out towards the enemy's camp, when you take back what the enemy has stolen, God gets his attention up. Yes, it doesn't just bring pleasure to him. It stirs all of heaven to say, how can I come alongside you? When you take steps of faith. Not a man was there for the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So let's go up uh, and fled in the, sorry. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and abandoned their torts and the, torts their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. Wow, this is a turnaround right here. Here's four insignificant people that actually don't know what to do with their life, have been outcasts their whole life. They focus their faith on the enemy's camp and God makes a way where there is no way. I want to tell you, you might not be able to hear it. You might not be able to see it, but there's a loud noise that is taking place. God is making a way in your circumstance where there is no way. In your family, God is making a way where there is no way. In your finances, he's making a way. Don't look to the side. Look to God and he's going to come through. Because see, these guys are walking and they can't hear a sound. They don't know what's happening. There's a man in our, uh, in, in our campus in South Africa. I opened our new building in South Africa, a beautiful 850-seater, a lovely building. And God, there's a whole God story behind that. But there's a man there by the name of Terence. Terence is a, actually a famous celebrity chef uh, for South Africa. During COVID, of course, the hospitality industry was one of the hardest hit of anybody. And so he went from being a famous chef, beautiful cars and houses, and to getting to the point where he had no money to even pay the bills just to finance his current house. So his wife said to him, well, we've learned that you sow, as you know, Pastor Lee was talking about, we sow our seed and it comes back to us. And she said, you're doing nothing. You're sitting at home every day. And he said, well, I can't do anything. She said, we've got a food charity in our, in our church, why don't you go and serve in that? 
And, you know, being a persuasive wife, we've all got one of those. And uh, you met mine last week. You can see she's persuasive. And, and, and the bottom line is with a persuasive wife comes, why don't you do it? And you say, nah, nah, nah. This is what Terence told me. She said, but after about 25 times, she kept saying it. He said, I just went just to get her off my back. But he said, I went for three days a week. And I'd like to tell you that instantly it resolved the problem. But I served there for 12 months. Three days a week, no work was coming until I get a phone call one day from a very wealthy man who had a house in a place called Camps Bay, a beautiful part of Cape Town. And, and he said, why don't you come and do a dinner for me tonight? I've got a massive uh, group of people coming. And he said, okay. So he goes to this house and he's talking. He does the meal and at the end the man says to him, what is it that you really want to do? And he said, well, I'd just like to get a job at the moment. He goes, no, beyond a job, what do you want? And he said, well, one day I'd love to open my own restaurant. I've worked for many others and I've got many things. And the guy said, well, what's that going to cost? And he said, well, about 10 million rand, which is about half a million pounds, I guess. And so he said, he said the man said to him, well, well, what about I actually pay for it? And he said, no, no, I'm not asking for that. And he goes, I know you're not. I asked you the question. And he said, what about I become your silent partner and you pay me back after five years? And the, the, he knew the guy had the ability to do it. And so he said, well, let, let. and he goes, I don't want you to think about it. It's done. You can have the, the, the 10 million rand for your restaurant. He walks out and he drives home and he says to his wife, how incredible is that while I'm serving over here, God's got a plan that would have never happened if I'd been in the, but he said, but there is a problem. I just need to feed you all. We're down to our last 2,000 rand, which is literally tiny amount of money, just a few hundred pounds. And he said, I'm going to have to sell the cars. He's got one of two special edition BMWs in the whole country of South Africa. He had it imported. And he decides he's going to sell it. Three days later, the man calls him back and says, hey, I've got another event tonight with a whole extended family. But in the day at lunchtime, I have my business and there's a whole heap of people. Would you come to my house and do it all again? He said, sure. So he comes and between the two events, he goes in the pool swimming. The guy says, swim in the pool anytime you like. So he goes for a swim. The guy comes over and says, hey, I just came from outside and I saw your car has for sale on the back. He said, why are you selling it like that? And why are you selling it? And he sort of reluctantly says, well, look, the problem is I haven't worked for two years and I've got to pay the bills for my house and my family. And that car's worth quite a lot of money. And the guy goes, don't sell your, house, your car. He said, I'll give you money. How much do you need? Now, I don't know about you. At that stage, I would have said, I need 10 million. I need, you know. Uh, but, but this guy goes, no, no, I don't need anything. All I need is a job. And the guy says, a job? And he said, he said well, I can do better than that. I can give you some money. I'm going to give you a million dollars. And the guy said, a million dollars? He said, no, no, no. Anyway, he's driving home and... In his app, as he's driving home, the banking app comes up and he opens it and he sees a million dollars has gone into his bank account. And sure to this day, too, and, you know, he's telling me the story that that money came and that guy's now working with him to build a restaurant and a number of things have happened. But you see, in that season, he had to exercise faith. He didn't even know what he was doing. His wife was pushing him. But because he actually positioned himself by faith, God came through in his circumstances. 
I don't want to hear of stories of people getting saved in the third world alone, getting healed in the third world. I want to be a part of seeing God use me in my world, in my situation, in my family circumstance. God wants to make a way, but you have to live according to the principles. You see, it's so important that we understand that when we step out in faith, God will come through for you. The Bible says he is actually good news. We might need to fast forward the slide here, but in in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 9, then they said to each other, we're not doing right. You can play, guys. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. You see, they go from this place where they're actually consumed with, God, we're going to die here. We've got nothing. God, we we, we don't know what to do. And so all we're going to do is focus our attention on the enemy's camp. We're going to take a step of faith. They don't even really realize what they're doing. While they're walking, God makes a sound. He makes a way where there is no way. He rewards them. And the Bible says as they arrive at the camp, not only had the army left, but they left everything behind. All they asked for was for their life. But what they've actually got is food and clothes and and, and gold and silver. Way more than what they needed in church. I want you to understand, we all want the story. We all want the blessing. But are we prepared to turn our backs on what feels comfortable? Are we prepared to, to move beyond the line in the sand? And are we prepared to get to a place where we go, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to take the step of faith. See, it's not till you come to church with a friend that you actually realise that church can be a bit weird. When you come to church, you know, I, I brought a friend, another friend, his name's Terence, like the guy in the story, a different guy. At Christmas time, he said to me, I'd like to go to church with you. We, we, we'd met and he'd showed me this Bible from the 15th century that he had. He also had a Quran and a few other things that he'd been collecting. And he told me that the importance of all of these things and religion plays a really important place. But as we were talking, came down to relationship and he had no relationship with the God that he, that he, he read of. And so why don't you come to church sometime and check it out? So he's coming on this particular Sunday. Who knows that church takes a different level of importance when somebody who doesn't know Jesus is your friend who lives four doors down is coming to church. I'm thinking, what's Pastor Russell going to preach today? What song leader have we got? Are they going to talk about the Holy Spirit 97 times? You know, uh, what are they going to do? Because everything, son, and I'm, I'm in church and, you know, normally I'm like, God, like this, but I'm standing there like, oh, how's Terrence going? What's going on? You know, uh, is, is he into this? And then Pastor Russell opens the Bible and it's no different to me today. He opens it to the Old Testament. When you've got a friend who's unsaved, you don't want them to open to the Old Testament. Open to something new and easy to understand. He reads the most obscure passage of Scripture that I don't think I've ever heard before. I'm thinking, you are off the money today. I've got a friend in church, Pastor. You should be more in tune. Terence sat about five rows back. He didn't want to sit at the front where we sit. So I said, are you okay to sit by yourself? He said, yeah, I'd prefer to actually. I just experienced the whole thing. We get in the cafe afterwards and I'm saying, how'd you go? He goes, that guy that spoke, it may as well, everybody else was taken out of the room and he was just speaking to me. He opened his passage of Scripture to my favourite book in the Old Testament and to a Scripture that I've read many times. I'm thinking, I didn't know it existed. 
But the point is that when you take a step of faith, it doesn't always pan out the way you think. When you take a step of faith, it's not going to look pretty. It's not always going to be easy. The generator is going to be blocked sometime. There's going to be people that are come and obscure you. It might take 12 months where you're waiting for food to come or something to happen. But God is making a way where there is no way. God will always bless those pressed down, shaken together who go before Him. But you don't just focus your energy anywhere. What do you do? You bring the good news of Jesus Christ. This passage of Scripture says He is the good news. It's the only time in the Old Testament, it's mentioned twice in the Old Testament, good news. It's the only time the good news means the same as what it does in the New Testament. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people have been persecuted, left out, pushed aside suddenly become the saviors to their whole city. Maybe it was their persecution that positioned them to become the saviors. Rather than complaining about what isn't, start looking at who am I and what does God have for me. I want to show one more video in just a moment. But when I went on this trip, I realized, God, it's great to have thousands saved and that's important. It's great to have these crowds, but Imagine if there was a church that actually stopped being Christians, stopped showing up on Sunday and ticking the box, but became believers. Like Max, who is a videographer who takes the video, but he comes and he doesn't pray for anybody. He's on the plane on the way home and he's like, I can't believe I didn't see any miracles. I didn't see. He's the guy that videoed what you're about to see. But in his head, it's like, what am I going to do? Max made the decision that when he came back to Australia, he wasn't going to let the soil he was on determine who he became. So he was looking for somebody in a wheelchair who had sticks or something because he said, I'm going to pray for the first person I see, God. That's my quest to you. He arrives on Monday night. He shows up to our prayer meeting at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning. He's praying, saying, God, help me. I'm fearful now. I've made the decision. But if I see somebody, somebody walks into our prayer meeting with sticks. They've had these sticks for many years. Max goes, okay, God, it's a prayer meeting. I didn't think I was coming for this. I thought it'd be someone on the street or the market, but I'll pray for him. And he walks up and asks if he can pray. Right there in our 7 a.m. prayer meeting, this guy throws his sticks on the floor and gets healed. And here we are three and a half weeks later. And to my knowledge, he's still totally walking because somebody just had a change of mindset. At the end, I, I, I'm going to talk, uh, have my book out there and, And it's about a change of mindset. Understanding, thinking like a king is recognizing that each prince and princess wakes up every day with the knowledge that one day I will rule. But nevertheless, I'm a king today, even though I'm not ruling. So you're either a king in waiting or a king in ruling. And we need to have a kingdom mindset that actually says, God, I'm prepared to change. God, I'm prepared to be positioned. 98% of the church will never work for the church. So come on, we need that 98% to be mobilised. We need them to start thinking like kings and step into what God has for them. Have a look at this. See, see the, the important thing is, why don't you all stand to your feet? You know, the important thing is that we understand that each one of us is wanting to be used by God. Not not because I say so. That's what He wants to do. He wants to use us. He wants to increase our capacity. 
But yet, if we're not careful, we settle back. Because over here feels more comfortable. If we're not careful, we draw a line in the sand. And what what am I ever really going to do? So I'm just going to settle. But if we get to the place where it's like bringing a friend to church, it's, it's what I call happy scared. It's sort of happy, but it's also scary. When you put on a big event like that, 200,000, 100,000 pounds, we didn't have the 100,000 pounds, but God always comes through. Now it's big dollars, but I've grown in my faith capacity. Don't live off my faith and go, wow, that's great. Come on, God's got a story waiting for you. God wants you to step into that. Ah, Die, die, maybe live, die. But if you're not doing up that church, you're taking up too much space. People that understand God wants to help us. I can practically help you. I've written a book and it comes with a workbook. And you say, I don't know how to change. This will help you to change your mindset. But in this environment, it's far better if you have an encounter with God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song for a moment. And maybe you want to come forward. Maybe you want to stand where you are. I don't mind. But I want you to lift your hands in a position that says, I want to encounter you. If you want to come forward, you go, God, I want to encounter you. Come forward. If you want to stay where you are, but you want to lift your hands, come on, for a few moments. Let's not have the mentality that we get across the white line and we just keep doing the same thing. Let's not get on a plane and make a decision to serve God. Come on, right here in Chester, we can do something for God today. So come on, if that's you right now, why don't you respond and position yourself ready to receive from God. Come on, let's see. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.